Welcome to the Jenna and Tosh Show. I'm Tosh Taylor. And I'm Jenna Morton. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Today's episode is going to tug at your heartstrings. It is going to make you go, <gasps> I promise. <laughs> because we have, as usual, a fantastic guest with us. Uh, Rachel Como is joining us to talk about her Tiny Dreams campaign, which that's the part, it's going to tug at your heartstrings. The part that's going to make you go, <gasps> is when I tell you Rachel started this program after the birth of her triplets. <laughs> so for everyone who hasn't discovered you on social media yet, who doesn't know you in person, tell us a little bit about you and your family. So I am a mom of triplets, like Jenna just introduced me as. Uh, we had our triplets on March 4th, so right before COVID. Uh, and we have two boys and a girl, which is what I call my million dollar family. I always used to say I wanted three kids, but I only wanted one mat leave. And everyone said karma caught up to me. <laughs> and um, uh, my husband, he has his own construction company. So also an entrepreneur, which means during all this chaos, couldn't take any time off. Um, no parental leave, nothing, which wasn't planned, right? So um, we decided to launch Tiny Dreams after having our kids in the NICU for, and I'll say it lightly, only 26 days. Um, and the reason I say only 26 days is I've seen families have 50, 100 you know, 90 days. Uh, I saw Jenna, I think you were there 33 days or 35. 35. Yeah. 35 days. So 26. I'm like, 26 like, with triplets. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of miracle babies did you have? That's amazing. So, yeah. So they are actually pretty good. Uh, the only reason I think we had them, I had them at 32 weeks as well. Mine were 32 weeks in one day. Um, and I had a good pregnancy considering it's a high risk. And I think, you know, the same thing when it comes to twins, especially with, uh, twin to twin transfusion, I think you understand that like, it's crazy how high risk pregnancies are another ball game, right? So um, to say I enjoyed my pregnancy would be a big overstatement. So I'm trying to enjoy my mat leave, right? And say, okay, what can I do that's positive, bring some happiness and everything? Because the pregnancy is pretty scary, right? That's, that's such a good way to frame it, because it is, I think, you know, anyone who has a high risk pregnancy that they know is high risk, right? Not everyone knows they're high risk or yeah. they're going to have complications, whether it's multiples or not. If you, if you have that hanging over you, it does, it kind of clouds the experience in this way that's hard to explain. But I know like, yeah, Tosh, you're nodding because I know you, you get that too, right? Like it's, it's such a different kind of weight. And for you to be able to turn that around and be like, you know what? that means my mat leave is going to be awesome and I'm going to do something that really lights me up is fantastic to be able to take that step. Oh, thank you. Um, and I think what was hard and I kind of experienced the same thing as you when you're put on early bed rest every day, you're just anticipating almost the worst, right? Cause you're like, is today the day that I go into labor? So I was put on bed rest at 28 weeks was a little bit later than you. Um, and it was due to shortening cervix. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to like, I'm just going to go into labor. Right. And that's not at all what happened. So high risk also brings all kinds of unforeseen complications where I had uh, my baby B um, not grow for two weeks. And when I went for my growth scan after two weeks of not having an ultrasound, like I was followed almost weekly. And then all of a sudden they're like, you're doing great. We're almost at the end. You're doing really great. So they don't see me for two weeks. And then we go for an ultrasound and everyone in the room kind of goes into panic, right? Cause they're like, your baby has not grown in two weeks. And 
we have to get him out immediately or like he might not survive. So obviously cue the waterworks um, and panic, right? So I was just like, okay. And then they look at you and they say, triplet pregnancy. So you can't have your C-section right now. We need to get 25 people ready <laughs> to have in the labor, like in the delivery room, because this is not going to happen with just like the normal C-section crew up for emergency. So they're like, you have to wait 12 hours before you can go and have your C-section. And we're just like, no, <laughs> like we want to get this out now. Like, like, like yeah, you've now. told me there's a problem. Fix yeah. the problem. <laughs> Please fix it now. <laughs> and then they, th- they send you home and they're like, go sleep and have a great night's sleep. <laughs> and you're like, no, <laughs> this is not happening. So that night was pretty chaotic because the whole night, all you do is you think of the worst, right? You're like, okay. I, I really hope everything goes well, but I need this to go, like, I need everyone to get out alive, right? Like, that was my, my biggest concern, and I it was even at a point where I was telling my husband, I'm like, don't even care about me, like, just make sure the kids are okay, like, just get everything done, like, I just want them to be okay, follow them once they're in their incubators, like, make sure they actually are our kids, because <laughs> there's three, right? You don't want them to get mistagged. <laughs> So uh, that was like the night before. And then the morning of, I remember like walking into labor and delivery and there's three nurses standing there and they're just like, Rachel. And I'm like, how do you know it's me? And they're like, there's no other triplet mom coming in at 5 a.m. Like roll on in like 80 pounds heavier, like just ready to topple over. And I'm just like, oh, okay. It's that obvious. (laughs) So it was quite um, wild. And the irony in all of this is that my baby B ended up coming out like I was just holding on to see him right so like I just wanted to make sure he came out so I was exhausted and I guess my eyes were just like rolling back like during the c-section and I thought my husband was slapping my face to keep me awake like just saying like okay Rachel stay with us and it was actually um our anesthesian who was like okay Rachel you have to like you have to stay awake for this like you can't just take a nap like it's not the time to fall asleep and they showed me my baby B and I just fell asleep like I think I just took a nap like I was just like I can't hold on anymore like I'm just gonna pass out and my daughter who was baby C ended up having the most complications so I ended up actually missing all of that which my husband I think to this day is still recovering because he said like that's when he just started spinning like at a like he was just like they're like come see the baby stay with Rachel come see the baby (laughs) stay with Rachel this baby's rolling away stay with Rachel like he said there was just too much going on at that point and he probably had the roughest first day because he got to see the kids, right? Like he was up in the NICU. He was with them. He was getting the download from the psychologist on, okay, wash your hands a hundred times a day. Uh, You touch anything, you wash your hands again. You drop anything, you don't pick it up. You don't touch anything in the NICU. Like you just, it's so sanitary. Um, So I think he probably had the biggest roller coaster ride on the first day where I was in recuperation, right? Just trying to grasp everything and be like, is this done? Like, did this just happen? So um, that was pretty much our birth journey. If I can summarize it, I could probably go on and on, but that's pretty much the Cole's notes version. That's amazing. I, it's so funny you say that. And I, all of a sudden I remember like, it must've been a, at least a week after we were home, if not longer and something, my husband had one of the babies and was like, you know, dropped the burp cloth or something and just kicked it with his foot out of the way, just like you would in the NICU because you don't yeah. touch it. It yeah. fell. You don't touch it. I'm like, yeah. Alex, we're home. Just just pick it up and put it in the laundry. <laughs> it stays yeah. with you, right? That like, don't touch it. You just kick it out of the way. <laughs> exactly. And when you go back to like being, I don't want to say less sanitary, but just living a normal life, um, you almost 
don't know like the day it happens you're just like am I gonna let that pen drop and then pick it up and it's on your own floor like you wash this floor you know it's clean but you still have that doubt right all the time because you know how fragile the babies are and then you're like is their immune system strong enough yet like you don't know there's no benchmark right so you're just like "Uh, can my baby handle this is my baby strong enough for this and then you're like okay I think it's good. Like, I think we're, I think we can let the baby touch the toy that may have touched another baby, right? Like, and then one day you'll let them eat the Cheerios right off the floor. Exactly. They're crawling. So we're kind of there now, right? Start building that immune system. Exactly. Okay. So I have some questions because I don't know anything about the NICU experience. Uh, so what you have created is a, a thank you and a, a way to give back. And I, I read a little bit on your Facebook page. Let's talk a little bit about the help that you had first off and why you want to give back. Sure. Um, and this kind of tugs up my heartstrings. So because first of all, we had triplets and then we had triplets during COVID. Um, The help started everywhere, right? So from inside the NICU where the nurses were phenomenal. So um, kind of if I backtrack a little bit, our parents, like my, the grandparents were able to visit for like the first two weeks or week and a half, give or take. And then the hospital went on lockdown for COVID. When I remember the day that they went on lockdown, my dad was coming in with me and he would hold one of the babies during feeding time just to give the, you know, so the baby had someone and they're not just alone. Right. And my husband would come to, and that day when we got in the door, my dad had finished washing his hands, getting ready to come in and everything scrubbing down. And there was another baby in the NICU at the same time who is now like our NICU bestie. (laughs) So um, their grandmother was also coming in to help out with the mom the nurse comes up and she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like five minutes ago, we got the red light that we can't have any, we can only have one at that point. It was only one family member with the babies and it has to be father or mother, or mother, mother, whatever. So um, that moment literally changed, I think my life moving forward because my dad actually has um, cancer. He has esophagus cancer. And the next day was going for a chemo treatment. And to this day, his oncologist, who's also at the Moncton hospital, um, has been telling me that these babies are keeping him alive, right? Like they're keeping him going. So um, I turn around and this is where the emotions kick in. So I turn around and my dad's eyes fill up with tears. And he's like, you got this girl. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So he walks down. It's it's really hard. So he walks down the hall and then leaves and I turn around and like, there's two nurses there that are just ready to hug me. Like they know. So, um, I got really, really emotional day. Like I just, I don't even know how I got through that day. Cause I just couldn't stop crying. Cause I'm like, what's going on? Like, what is this COVID? Why is like, why is the world just being evil? Right? Like I just couldn't understand. And, um, one of the nurses who we actually recognized on our page, Janelle Martin, uh, she that night was working night shift and did a photo shoot with our babies and took a picture of each baby and then took one of all three together. And basically she put my daughter in the middle. It's like the cutest picture. I should find it. Uh, she put my daughter in the middle and she put the two boys on each side, like she's holding them. And she wrote a poem about grandpa and she plasticized it so he could bring it into oncology because he could wipe it down. And she left it on the counter right beside my daughter's bed actually when I came in the following morning like that day before was just horrible so we come in that morning and I'm exhausted I'm tired like I think I cried all night like I just couldn't 
grasp my emotions. I find out that Janelle had left a note because her shift finished at seven and we'd come in around eight. And she just said for grandpapa, right? She's like, this is for him. And she says, love your little, your little, I think she wrote something like little dreams or little hearts or something. So that kind of shifted everything, right? Cause then I realized that for the next couple of weeks, the NICU was going to become my family and they were going to support me and they were fantastic. And then after, when we got home, our neighborhood actually were just phenomenal. So um, I think it was two days we'd been home um, and we couldn't, we still can have like the grandparents in or anything. And one of our um, neighbors, she, uh, she's an esthetician down the street. She actually got her clients, our, other neighbors and her family to contribute and they showed up she showed up with like a minivan and I I swear to you guys the trunk was full of everything but it wasn't just baby stuff and it was like gift cards for groceries and stuff like that and I just remember like I think that was the second time where I just lost it and I was like how do we live in such a fantastic community right and everyone was just trying to help and everyone understood that it's not normal what's going on right now. Having triplets is not the norm either. And I think that kind of all wrapped it up where I was just like, okay, like this is not like if I was in, I'm not taking away from big cities, but if I was in Toronto or Montreal or wherever, I kind of just be like a blimp. Right. And it would just be like, I could do a lot, but I couldn't do as much as I can knowing now how you can rally Moncton and greater Moncton together and just get everyone to kind of contribute in their own way. So I think that's where we kind of just took a stop and we were like, okay, everyone's actually super amazed. Every little gesture, I was just like, okay, we actually are surrounded by the nicest people in the world, right? Like Moncton is like, we're like in a little bubble and moving forward, I think gratitude would be an understatement for how we feel about our whole birth experience after giving birth like the before was more stressful people would look at me and say like what are you going to do with three and I'm like you know sell one on QGG we'll see how much I get like no but seriously like and you get like and you probably had the same thing with twins where people are like how are you going to do it are you going to stop working are you going to like I'll remember this as probably the best time of my life because I'm embracing you know quality time with my dad now that well right now we're in orange so that doesn't help but when we were in yellow like I got to spend awesome quality time with him the kids uh, being home and having a hundred percent of my time with them, right? No distractions because we can't have visitors. It's just an amazing community to live in. And it's just the least that we can do, I guess, was try to come up with something. It's so empowering and so exciting to see your energy coming through about all this. It's, it's exactly that dose of positivity people need right now while we are back in orange and wondering what's going to happen. And you know, that, that last kind of like, Oh, we can, almost see that finish (laughs) it's out there we just gotta get there kind of like the end of one of those high-risk pregnancies (laughs) gotta get there and then it gets better so let's talk a little bit though about what you decided to create to give back I remember it would have been probably June May or June I uh, wanted to do something to give back first to the Moncton Hospital so I was like okay we need to find something that we can do to uh, give back to the Moncton Hospital. And my dad was also being treated at the Moncton Hospital. So for us, it was like, and or he's still being treated, actually. So it was like a global story of, okay, how do we give back to the Moncton Hospital? So the first thing we did was, I was three months postpartum, and I decided to bike for NB Docs. <laughs> so I biked 100 kilometers. And uh, I think it was like in two weeks, which was 
I looking back, I'm like, I don't know why, like how, <laughs> why I did that to my body. But, um, and I was able to raise $2,555 wow. and that went straight to oncology. So when that was over, I was like, you know what? I just did that to help everything that everyone's done for my dad. I'm like, I still haven't done anything for everyone who's helped for my kids. So I'm like, this is not enough. And my husband's like, okay, you're crazy. Like we, you, you need to rest. Like you need to take time to sleep or do something. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, we have to find something. So in June, once NB docs finished, we actually had like a COVID uh, ceremony to get like certificates for participating. So I met the foundation contact that I'm working with, Catherine Robinson. And she's like, if you need help to do something to recognize the NICU, let me know. We'll brainstorm. So it took me like almost a month and a half to get on the phone with the kids not screaming and everything and call her up. And I'm like, Catherine, I want to do something, but I don't know what. So she explained to me how community funded campaigns can happen. So she's like, ponder about it come up with an idea and I'll support you. I'll help you. She's like, I'll get you going. So I'm like, okay. So it took like another month for me to come up with an idea. So I was like on Pinterest. I was like on triplet. Um, I'm on three triplet groups, I think that are like worldwide. And all of a sudden this woman posted this like bracelet that she had for her daughter. And I don't lie. Like, I think it was the length of my dining room table. Like it was just super long and it just tugged at my heartstrings. Because I was like, okay, every time, like every day my son was being picked to check his sugar levels, like his little toe, like his little um, foot still has that dot. Like you can see where he's been picked. And I see Jenna like shaking her head. Like (laughs) once they've been picked that little, it doesn't really go away. Right. So it really tugged at my heartstrings where I was like, that's just one bead times 26. Right. Because it'd be every day. And so I started researching on beads of courage. And the more I read about it, the more it was touching like really close to home because I was thinking of all the families who may not have the same support that we had not have like the phenomenal, you know, neighborhood or families that can support them going through it during COVID right now. Like I know the restrictions have gotten way stricter since when we were there, Um, you know, being in the NICU with your baby when you have to wear a mask, right? Like all these little things just kind of blur and take away from your experience. So you can't necessarily enjoy maybe all the happy moments, like the first time they feed with a bottle, right? Like that's probably, for me, that was like my favorite moment when I saw like my small little baby who's three pounds drinking from a bottle. I was just like, this is amazing. Well, that's a bead, right? Um, When my daughter's oxygen mask was taken off after three days, right? Like, and she could breathe on room air. I was like, this is the best day ever. Like, so those are all beads. And each bead kind of reminds you later on, like when the baby turns one, you can look back and say like, I never thought you'd be running around and destroying my house right now because you were so fragile, so tiny. And that's where the word tiny in dreams came together, right? So um, a lot of people called my babies little dreams, but I found little was too representative of any size child, right? So where we wanted to really specify on the NICU um, it's tiny dream. So once we actually proposed this to the Moncton hospital, we found out that peds actually already have this program, which was great, which I was like, okay, great. How did you guys get the program? Turns out they had like an anonymous donor, I think from out West, just pay for it, like dish out $5,000. And like they said, the Maritimes needs this program. Let's get that program put in place. So then I'm like, okay, $5,000, if I could do 2000 for my dad, just biking around town, how can we get 5000 for more people, right? Like this is, 
you've been there, right? Like Jenna, you've gone through the NICU. Like I, there's about a hundred, I think, give or so discharges a year from the NICU, give or take. And that doesn't include like some that just go in for two, three days for phototherapy or other, right, treatments. So I was like, okay, we have to get this in place. So my first plan was to get it launched for NICU month um, because it made sense, right? Like tiny dreams, NICU, everyone, like you don't need to be a preemie to be in the NICU either, which is something I think people, it's a misconception. Like you could be 38 weeks and still have your baby in the NICU for complications. Um, And then I was like, okay, I just missed a month. Like life just flew by. (laughs) The babies took, they were teething. That's when I started teething. And I just didn't see that month go by. So my husband looked at me one day and he's like, are we doing this? Like, are we doing this? And I'm like, okay, yeah, we are. He's like, okay. He's like, let's get into this. And he was getting like involved in it. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is something we can do together. We can't leave the house and go like a normal date. So our dates are now creating content for our Facebook page. (laughs) Um, So we're like, okay, let's go for uh, international preemie day, right? Like let's aim for that day. So everything was all lined up for November 17th to have our link launched and everything. And then technical difficulty came up and we didn't get our link for donation. So we kind of spun it like a teaser (laughs) and we're like, okay, let's launch the idea and see if people pick up. So in the first day, there was like 25 people who were like, what are, what is this? Like, how can we donate? And I'm like, oh, okay this is going to go somewhere. So move forward. That was two weeks ago. Um, you know, we're at 15 donations so far. Uh, we got about, uh, I'm just checking my numbers about $1,200 raised so far. So we're getting there. And like the goal, I guess once we hit 4,000 and this is, I'm only sharing this with you guys and everyone who's listening. <laughs> I was just gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> once, once we hit 4,000, we can actually launch the program. The difference between the 4,000 and the 5,000 is the 5,000 will let us have like the extra beads, right? So it will let us have a Tiny Dreams one, which will represent the community of Moncton and everyone who donated. So Tiny Dreams is not like Rachel and Denny donating or doing something. It's Moncton. Like I could have put like, I don't know, the Como triplets (laughs) journey campaign, but it's not us, right? Like it's everyone that's rallying together. We're just kind of like the... Uh, I don't even know how you would call that, like the the middleman, catalyst, yeah. yeah, right, the catalyst. There we go. At <laughs> uh, kind of driving it, and then everyone who's donating, everyone who's sharing our posts, everyone who's commenting is actually Tiny Dreams, right? Like Tiny Dreams is not me, Tiny Dreams is not you. It's everybody together. So the Tiny Dreams beat is really important because that's the one that's going to remind the families in the future, five years down the road, to say like in 2020 when everyone was calling it like the worst year ever, um, something good happened right? And it's a reminder that we're, you know, life goes on beyond COVID (laughs) in case people haven't realized. Um, And like NICU babies aren't going to stop. And if there's something that hasn't stopped are high-risk pregnancies, uh, preterm babies. Um, You know, Jenna shared her preterm story uh, on the 17th and that tugged at my heartstrings. And same with us, right? Like 32 weeks, there's so many developmental milestones that haven't been hit that the baby is learning how to do this in the NICU. And I had a great mentor triplet mom, actually. So a triplet mom whose babies would be like two years old now, uh, reached out to me early in my pregnancy. And she's like, okay, do this, do that. Stay off your feet, like rest, like drink a lot of water, take your vitamins. It's really important. And I remember we were talking and she's like, 
every day that they're in your belly, you're saving three days in the NICU, right? So she's like, that one day that you got through and like didn't go into the hospital, didn't go into labor, she's like, you're giving your babies three less days in a hospital bed, right? So she's like, just keep fighting. She's like, every day she'd check in. She'd be like, you're at day, tw- you're at week 28 and one day. She's like, you just hit another milestone, right? 28 weeks was another. Yeah, 28 you know, weeks. What? Yep. <laughs> that 28 weeks, sorry, Jenna. Like once oh, you yeah. hit 28 weeks, everyone's like, whoa, got this, you're easier. <laughs> and I remember at 28 weeks too, that's when we had our ultrasound and they're like, okay, you're going on bed rest. Like you could go into labor anytime. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have 20 week old babies. Like got to get ready for this. And then the week after I'm at home and I'm like, okay, I'm 29 weeks. Okay. I can get to 30. And then we kept going. And I had Dr. Carol LeBlanc, who's fantastic. And she was like, no, you're making it to 36. She's like, your C-section date, I'm scheduling it. She had an OR book. And she scheduled for me too. (laughs) And she's like so confident, right? She's like, we're having it on March 30th. Like you're having this C-section, you're making it to 36 weeks. Your babies are going to stay like seven uh, days in the NICU maybe. She's like, if at that, right? And they'll just learn how to feed. Like, don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. And then at like, 30, I think it was like 31 weeks or 30 weeks. They're like, well, we should probably start considering giving you steroids, right? To help the baby's lungs expand and like have that developmental boost, I guess. And I remember going in for the steroids and I'm like, ah, this is just a waste of time. Like we're fine. Like it's a precaution, but we're good at this point. Like I made it past 28. We're good. And then like the week after they're like, you're going into labor. And I'm like, thank goodness I got those steroids. Like my kids could, if they were here right now, they'd be screaming and you would know their lungs are fantastic. (laughs) So it's all these different milestones that like people don't know. And I've had a lot of friends reach out and say, thank you for educating us. Like just by sharing your story, because we don't talk about it. Right. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people see it as shame, right? They're like, I didn't make it full term. I had a preemie. And then they're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want people to see pictures of my babies like that. I don't where I realized that by sharing my story, people are reaching out and they're like, I actually spent two weeks in the NICU and I'm like, wow, like, how are you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do you have a little bit of P- PTSD? Nick, I call it P- NICU PTSD. Like, how do you feel? Your kid's six years old now. Like, how do you feel? Your kid is 14. Like, is it still? And I've had parents who their kids are like 16, went through the NICU, still tell me we still hear those machines right? Like we'll have moments that if you're watching house, let's say on TV uh, or grays, they'll, they'll hear that beeping and it just goes right into the feels, right? So mm-hmm. how do we turn the narrative to a positive outcome and be like, yeah, I've been through that. I know what that machine does. And I also know that my baby, if they didn't have that machine, wouldn't be thriving today, right? You are, so- yeah, you're doing wonderful things with, with sharing your story. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree, but we are at a time. So <laughs> <laughs> of course I talk I too much. <laughs> no, you don't talk too much. It's been wonderful, no such thing. but we haven't told people if they want to make a donation or if they want to follow along with the journey, where are they going to find you guys on social media? So perfect. So very quickly on Facebook, we're Tiny Dreams Campaign. Uh, you donate through the Friends of the Moncton Hospital. And if you can't find us on social media, go right on the site of the Friends of the Moncton Hospital. Go on the drop down. I am supporting and choose neonatal special cares fund. So that's really important because it's the new and it didn't exist before this campaign. It's the new NICU fund for anything that's non-medical. So anything that's community driven will be going through that link from now on and then you also get a tax receipt which is great because you're going through the friends of the Moncton hospital 
and uh, you'll be giving to a great cause. And you can also um, choose to honor um, Hospital Hero, which I find is a great add-on. It's no extra cost. You just choose, yes, I want to honor a Hospital Hero. And you write their name. Like it could be a nurse, a doctor, a psychologist, social worker. It could be even like someone cleaning. It could be anyone who touched you while they were in the hospital. And you can get that add-in little message and they get a certificate to recognize them to um, let them know that they're doing a great job. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, hopefully we can help you with this campaign. And and I, I mean, I love the Moncton Hospital. Jenna, Jenna loves the Moncton Hospital. So uh, the more the merrier. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. We are thrilled that you're listening. We hope you love it so much that you're going to hit the subscribe button. You're going to like, you're going to tell your friends and family. Don't forget to leave us that very important review as well. And you can find us on all social media platforms. Me as Tosh.WoodTaylor. And you can follow Pickle Planet Moncton on the website, Facebook, or Instagram. 